The experience of joining a life group for us um, really helped us to get tapped into the community at River Valley. Some of our best friends are from that first life group. What I really loved about that life group was I felt it was a really safe place for me. It was a place where I could be vulnerable and I could shed a tear and no one would judge me. The leaders had a big part in creating that environment for us. We serve at Loaves and Fishes through local service projects once a month. The Bible tells us that we need to serve. The Bible just tells us, feed my sheep. And so I want to be in obedience to be able to get everything that God has for me. I needed to do a more of a, a personal evaluation of, of myself and make God in church and serving more of a priority for myself. I think by serving on local service projects, it's just given me a different lens to look at people, to see the world. And the life group that we were in was growing rapidly. We had already seen, I think, about four other life groups start out of that life group. We were encouraged by our life group leaders to start a life group. We finally took the plunge and decided that that was our next step. The volunteers start coming in, and then the guests start coming in, and then you just are able to pour out. At the end of the time, I'm the last person to leave, but I'm not wanting to leave. When you serve together, it, it just brings your group to a higher level. You just have that connection together that you're building into the community. You're taking action. You're being the hands and feet. As serving as a service coach, every part of my faith has grown. I feel like I'm a better father, definitely a better husband, and a better man overall. It was scary at first. Leading is always scary. But you know when you have that nudge from the Lord, you know He's going to empower you and equip you and bless what He has sent you out to do. God wants us to go out and tell everyone about Him, and He wants everyone to experience His love. If you're able to go out and love your neighbors, and love your coworkers, and love your family, and you look for opportunities to share God's love and to share His Word, God will give you those opportunities. If we don't take care of the people around us, who's going to do it? Going forward from here, I will always be involved in some aspect of serving. With so many opportunities, you just have to get out there and try something. What a kind of cool collage of different stories, of different ways that, that you can get involved. Um, and I just, let me encourage you, even in this moment, if you're not involved in some way here at River Valley Church, you're missing the point. Uh, it's not just coming together and sitting in a seat and just hanging out. It's about getting involved and doing life together. Um, there's just something about, about going after what God has, but going after it with someone else. Um, and getting involved. I love uh, all, of, all of what is going on there, but uh, again, maybe it's just partial to this campus. I love Eddie. Uh, Eddie's one of those guys that serves here. He serves in the four and five-year-old's room. My son, Grayson, is four. Grayson loves Eddie. He's one of those guys that's just, he's, he's exuberant. You'll walk in and be like, this, he likes kids. But I remember uh, right when my wife and I got here to this campus uh, last summer, I met Eddie and um, he was talking about how he was looking for a place to step out and he signed up for Go Kids. And he was like, I'm, I'm just going to serve here. We're going to see what it's... And there was a little bit of nervousness, like, man, four and five-year-olds, they're a little bit crazy. Uh, and I didn't tell him any stories about my own house because it would have just confirmed that. And, um, but then to watch him just grow and, and just, just see him thrive in a place that God has placed him. And I just encourage you to get involved. I love his last line, if you caught it there. He said, just get out there and try something. 
Just go try something. If you're here today and you're not involved, um, maybe you're looking for the perfect place or something like that, I would say this, just go try something. As you're out there and you're trying something, you may be like, yeah, I think I like this part and not this part and we can tweak that and get it to get you to where you're supposed to be. But get out there and try something. It's a lot easier to change course and correct a direction than it is to get something moving. And I encourage you just to, just to go and do something. And that's what we're talking about here even this weekend as we're wrapping up the Go series and as we're launching into a year where our theme is love does, um, it's all about action. It's all about going out and doing something. Um, and, and again, maybe it's, I doubt it's a coincidence that we're wrapping up this weekend uh, on Valentine's Day. A uh, real quick reminder, love does, guys, just do something. It's not just a word, do something today. Um, again, we're, uh, I think, I think I'm, I'm happy that it's not just a word. I'm excited that it's not just a word because um, if it was just a word, we do a really good job in the English language of kind of dumbing down words. Uh, like, think about this. Um, I love my wife. I really do. I love my wife. I love my wife more today than the day that I asked her to marry me. I love my wife more today than, than I did the day we both stood at an altar and said, I do. I love my wife more today than any of the times that she brought each of our three children into this world. Um, it's, I, I, I cannot say it enough. I absolutely love my wife. Uh, but I also love tacos. <laughs> like... How ludicrous does that sound even together in that moment? We do a job, we, we do a good job in the English language of making things all just kind of mean together. And, and one of the things that I'm excited about is the fact that love is not just a word. It cannot be regulated to a word. It cannot be regulated to words. It's about action. And I think even as you read through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's so often known as the love chapter and you'll hear it read at weddings and, and things like that. But there's a few verses in it. Uh, verse two of chapter 13 says, if if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries um, and all knowledge and I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. It's not just about words. It's not just about having all of these talents and gifts. There's something about love that makes everything fall into place. It, it controls it. It inspires our actions. In verse 13, it even wraps up the entire chapter and it says, now of these three things, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. And that's what we're, we're talking about as we talk about the Go series, as we talk about love does this, this year throughout the year, we're talking about the action that love is that we get to go out and do something. And it's a great reminder, even in this moment, that what we're doing right now, gathering together, um, this, is not, this is not the church. I mean, we are the church, we're here together, but this building is not the church. Coming together in this moment, if we leave this place unchallenged, unchanged, and uninspired, and we go on with our life, we're doing it wrong. We should be coming here, getting inspired, getting filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can leave the walls of this place and go be the church. That's what it's all about. I remember even uh, last fall, Pastor Rob was speaking a message and he talked about this. He talked about the weekend services and he said, this is not game day. This is not game day. This is, we'll call it the, the pre-game speech, call it that like hype moment before where we come in and practice and we get direction from God and we, we get worked on so that we um, become who God has created us to be so that we can go out and, and actually win game day, which is Monday through Friday. 
That's where we're supposed to be headed. This is something where we can come back in week after week and kind of get, get re-challenged and say, all right, God, I'm, I'm back here. What, do we, what needs to change? What do I need to work on? How can I kind of recalibrate uh, priorities in my life so that I can go out and play the game which is outside of the walls of this church Monday through Friday? Don't ever allow this to be church for you, this one-hour moment where we come together. Remember that we're here to get filled up so that we can go be the church. And I see that actually throughout scripture when we, when we dive into the life of Christ. Because for those of us that call ourselves Christians in this moment, really what that means is, is to be like Christ. Uh, it, it started as, as a word that was almost kind of a, hey, look, it's a whole bunch of little Christs running around. And then we thought, yeah, that's actually what we should be. So we'll take that, that nickname. And um, so if we call ourselves Christians in this moment and we say that we are like Christ, we need to take a look at the life of Christ and find out how we can be like Christ even more. And when I look into scripture, when I read through his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels, the account of him on this earth, I often don't see him just hanging out in, in churches and synagogues. Yes, there's times where he's there and he's teaching and he's, he's bringing the Old Testament into light and he's saying, I am fulfillment of these prophecies and he's, he's teaching on scripture. But then what he's doing is he's going from there and I see him out with people so often. He's out walking amongst people and, and in that moment he's healing their sick and he's, he's out and he's speaking to people on the side of the mountain and that's where um, he realizes they're hungry and he feeds the 5,000. The miracle that happens there, it all happens because he's out with people. And I would ask us to even take a look at our lives and say, how often are we saying that we are the church and we're out with people? It's not just coming to a building. It's in that moment where so often um, we'll read right before a miracle that Jesus says he, he says he looked upon them with compassion, so he healed them. He looked upon them with compassion. And I think that's the moment where his love became action. And that's what we need to move to in, in our own lives is not just talk about it, not just look upon people with compassion, but allow that compassion to move us and propel us to do something about it. Even as he's hanging on the cross, the act, ultimate act of love. He's giving his life so that we can be saved. Not just us here in this moment, all people for all mankind, even those that are standing right in front of him that actually nailed him to the tree, that were mocking him before. And in that moment, in that amazing act of love, he sit, he's hanging there and says, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I was just, I was, as I was looking through this, I was blown away with that act of love, with that compassion. Um, we're a people, I know I am a person um, where I feel like I have limits. It's like, you know what, there's so many times that, that you can get me that, you know what, forget it, you did this to yourself. But yet, even in that moment, God had so much love, Jesus had so much love in that moment that it still compelled him to the ultimate act, which was giving his life. So now we get to, to this point uh, where we're wrapping up the series today and we're talking about what is, what is our mission? Why are we here? Why are we here as a local church in, in this context? Why are we all sitting here? And um, I think it's interesting as, as you continue to grow in your relationship with God, as you continue to, to, to dive in and allow him to work on your lives, it never ends with us. Now, we, we, we come to a place like this and we, we allow God to work on us and then he gets in and changes us from the inside out and starts to mold us into who he's created us to be and starts to show us our calling and our specific mission in life. But then in that, before he's done, it's like he takes a step back and, and that's where we see 
ourselves in this beautiful picture of the church, why we're all here together. It's not just about us personally, like we talked about last week. Our mission is highly important, but when we step back and realize that all of us have the same, same big mission, that we're all here working on our calling that's together, that's what brings us together in unity. I think it's, um, it's interesting that as we are all here, that it's actually our calling that connects us. We're all called to do something. God has called us and we're all here trying to figure out what that calling is and allow God to work on us. So we all come back to that same resource again together and that's what brings us together. So it doesn't matter where your calling might be. It might, it might be in ministry someday. It might be in the workplace or in the business world. It might be on the mission field someday. But all of that bringing it together is what connects us. And it's, um, the, it's the one thing that we all have in common is that we are all here geographically in this location together and each and every one of us are called to serve. We're all called to do something in this moment right now. It's not just about what God is bringing us to. It's about why are we here together? Our calling brings us together, but our unity is what makes us a church. Our unity together going after what God has for us that makes us a church. I think it's, it's interesting, though, as we talk about serving, um, we as a culture, we've gotten things a little messed up. And it's not just our culture. It's something that's, that we see as an epidemic ever since the fall of man, where we view leadership as, as um, leading people. How many people serve us? Where are we at on an org chart? Like how high can we get in a business or a company? How many direct reports do we have? How many people are below us or under us? It was interesting this last week, um, a quick uh, search on Amazon brought up that there are right now on Amazon 245,480 books on leadership. That's a lot of books on leadership. And believe me, I like books on leadership. I love leadership. Um, but that, that blew me away a little bit that right now there's 245,000 books on leadership. Check this though. Um, there are only 267 books on servanthood. 200, over 245,000 on leadership and only 267 on servanthood. I think that we've got things a little bit backwards um, as far as why, why we are here, why we're placed on this earth. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And as we look into the life of Christ and going after all that he has for us, uh, I think we need to remember that we are called in this place to serve and to be servants. So then the question comes up of, of who are we supposed to serve? What are we supposed to do here in this moment? And where we're going to spend most of our time today is actually in the book of Luke. We're going to take a look and we're going to dive into um, a story in scripture uh, that many of you have heard. It doesn't even really matter if you've grown up in church or not. I feel like we've all heard the story of the Good Samaritan. It's just one of those feel-good stories where even if you, you try and take the spiritual context out of it and you're like, hey, just be nice to others. I think we still talk about this, but I want to dive into it just for a moment because it's actually the answer of two different questions. It's two questions that, that get asked there and we're going to pick up in, in Luke chapter 10 verse 25. It says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. I'm going to pause here for just a second. Um, as I was reading through this, um, there was a moment where I was like, hey, you got one right. Just end there, right? 
Because Jesus is like, exactly, do that and you will live. And I, I, I remember back to, to the times in school where you'd get called on and you were like, I think I know the answer to this, but the teacher kind of flipped it on me and I asked the question and she asked it back. And the moment that you got that right, here's what happened. You smile, you lean back, and then you shut up for the rest of class because you win, end on a win. Just end on a win and you're good to go. And in this moment, I was like, man, buddy, you could have been a, a positive example in scripture. Just end there. But we get in the very next verse, a little glimpse into, um, into his life and into his motives. It says this in verse 29, it says, but he wanted to justify himself. But he wanted to justify himself. Pause again here just for a second, and I would ask you this question. Um, why do you do what you do? Why, why do you serve? Why do you do what you do? Because if it's of pure motive, if it's out of love, there's no need to justify yourself. This is a guy, it's a small glimpse into his heart as, as he's there. He's trying to justify himself. And I just think in this moment, um, it's important for us not to just skip past it, but to realize um, it's not just about serving. It's not just about acts. That's what we, that's what we read in, in 1 Corinthians. It's not just about the act of doing something. But what are the motives? Is it out of love? Is it out of compassion? Is it out of your, your inspiration because you love God so much you're forced to act? Or are you trying to justify something? We'll continue on, verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, uh, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to uh, be going down the road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. I'm going to pause again here just for a second because um, I want to dive into this, this Samaritan, this, the, the context of it. Because I think if you've been in church for any, any time, you know there's this huge uh, riff, if you will. There's a beef between the Jews and the Samaritans that's been going on for ages, even at this point. Um, but I think there's been times because we know the context of the story and I do this, I, I catch myself on this all the time. When you've read through scripture and when you know the story, you always put yourself in the, in the terms of the good guy. Like you're like, of course, the good Samaritan, that's even what it says. That's what, it, that's, that's who I'm going to be, right? But let's, let's back this up just a little bit. Pretend like you didn't know the story. And when he said there was a Samaritan that was walking, um, there was a huge cultural divide. And it wasn't just religious, it wasn't just political, it wasn't just geographical. This was a feud that was happening that literally there was, they did not care. They felt like there was no worth of a life on the other side of this argument. So a Samaritan would have been the lowest of the low. And I think we talk about it a lot in biblical context, but the truth of the matter is this is still happening today. We don't call it Jews and Samaritans though. We call it Israel and Palestine. It's the exact same thing that's still going on. So it's not just like, a, oh, there was somebody from the other side of town or across the tracks, but we still live in the same area. There is, there is, there is, there is hatred that would have, the second he would have said Samaritan, there would have been a little bit of, of the skin would have crawled. So take into context even some of the social hot button topics that, that would have happened right now. Whatever that may be for you, whether it's, whether it's uh, pro-life and pro-choice, whether it's marriage equality, whether it's Syrian refugees, um, there's, there's things even in our lives where, where we will talk about it and we'll be like, yeah, but those people, 
That's where Jesus had him in this moment. It wasn't just a, hey, a guy from the other side. It was literally somebody that in this moment, the person, the teacher of the law, the, the expert in the law would have thought there's no way. It's not, like it's, it's not like it's, oh, the Good Samaritan came along. This is one of those moments, if this were a movie, where the bad guy's actually the hero. The bad guy's the one who, who showed up that nobody liked in the movie, but yet he's the one who became the hero in this context. And then he moves on and he says, and picking up again in verse 34, he says, He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put him on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense. Which of these three men do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Again, to give you some context of the Samaritan, and maybe it's, just, maybe it's just translation that's there, but I think it's interesting that he still would not even say Samaritan. Because that moment was like, I guess it was the guy who was nice to him. Um, so so why, why are we here in this moment? What, what can we take out of this teaching of Jesus that, that brings us together as a church, as a local church? I believe that is because we are here as the local representation of the church, Big C, here, uh, specifically in this region, in this place. I believe that it's because we are here. Our mission is to serve. That's why we're here. That's what our mission is in this moment, is, is to serve those that are around us. I would even challenge you this. How you respond to your neighbor is a mirror into how you walk with God. How we respond to those around us, how we respond to the people in this community and in the, every person that we walk past is actually, is, it's, it's a mirror into how we walk with God. If you're wondering what your walk with God is like, what your maturity, spiritual maturity is, take a look at what your actions are to those around you. I think it's interesting, Jesus never even answered the question. He asked a question back to him. He never answered the question. I believe it's because Jesus wasn't trying to answer the question. He was trying to demolish the question altogether. He's saying it doesn't matter who your neighbor or you think it might be. There's no point in us putting a geographical context on it so we can build a little fence and work inside of this, this area that, that he gave us. There's no borders on it. He's saying it does not matter who you think your neighbor is. Serve everybody. Just go, just serve. It doesn't matter how you see them. All that matters is how I see them. And you are there as the local church, as my representation to serve them the same way I would. I think it's a challenge even to us then to, to think about where, where are we? Is it, is it our school? Is it, is it the grocery store? Is it Target? Is it workplace? Wherever it may be, we are called to that place for this time, for such a time as this, to serve. And I think a lot of times we... we um, drag our feet because we're trying to figure out what is the perfect spot. Like I'm still waiting for the right spot. I'm still waiting for, for God to show me exactly where I'm supposed to be. And too often we use that as our excuse to not get involved. And I believe even in this moment, Jesus is saying it doesn't matter even where you are, just serve. Just get moving. Just start to act. Love does. Love is in action. Go after whatever, um, wh wherever you're at and whatever you're doing. I believe that your talent will reveal your ministry, but your heart will reveal your maturity. 
Your talent, whatever you may do, whatever you may be good at, that may, that may guide your ministry. It may be the spot on, on the bus that you fill, but your heart, your willingness to serve will actually reveal the maturity in Christ that you have. Are you willing to step out and do what God has called you to do? Now, let me take a little bit of, of creative liberty. Even in this moment, um, I know we're not supposed to add to scripture, um, but when I read scripture, I, I have these, these moments and I just, I like to fill in side conversations, all right? Uh, it's, it's just something that, that, call it overactive imagination, uh, but when I read scripture and even when I read what Jesus is teaching, I try and think to myself, what is happening in the room right now? Like, like what's going on? What are the conversations that are going on? And this is, this is where my mind went as I was reading this. What if in this scripture, the priest that walked past him, again, let's, let's reset the table. There is a guy who's left for dead. He's been stripped of his clothes. He's been robbed of everything he has. He's been beaten and left for dead. What if the priest that walked by, he didn't, he didn't ignore the guy or pretend they didn't see him, but he walked past in the moment and just said, man, God, I just pray healing over his life. I pray that you touch his physical, his physical issues that, that obviously he has right now. I pray, I pray restoration uh, to his finances and everything that's there. And God, I just, I pray that you work in his life and then kept on walking. What if the Levite, Levite in this, con he's a person who works in the church. That's what a Levite did. They were, they were, they were, uh, they were there to help the priest. They, they worked in the synagogue at that time. What if he didn't just walk past and pretend he didn't see him? What if he was taking notes? What if he was like, man, I got to send somebody back here to help this guy. I've got to, you know what? What if we started an entire ministry just for people that got beat up on this road on here and, and we, could, we could serve this area and then we could send money and it could be missions and this, you know what, I'm gonna, he even went home that night and sat down with his wife and was like, I'm so inspired today. We're gonna start ministries. We're gonna reach this area. It's gonna be great. But did absolutely nothing for the physical needs. Is it still love? Now hear me in this. I'm not against, I'm not against prayer, obviously. I'm not against prayer for healing. I'm not against organized ministry and setting things up. I'm not against sending money to missions, but we are not just called here to do all of that. And we cannot hide behind all the things that are set up and structured and not do what God has called us to and meet the needs that we see in front of us. That's the part that's been challenging to me through this entire thing is, is are we here um, just to, to be a part of it? And are we, are we uh, just kind of pacifying ourselves by saying, oh, I helped, I put, some, I put some money in a bucket and I sent some, some, some money to missions. Or are we doing what God has called us to do because we are here as a local church to impact this community, to show this community what it's like to be the church. Why are we here? Why are we in this moment right now together? Is because God's plan, God's mission, week one, was so that no man could die, with, no man or woman would die without understanding or at least having the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ. That's his mission. Then after we answer the question in week two of what, what kingdom do we belong to, and we realize that we belong to the kingdom of Christ, then we move into week three, which is what is the mission of the church, big C, globally. Then we find out what our mission, what we talked about last week, what it then comes down to is this week is now it's time for us to go and be the church. We are we are here because when Jesus says, or when God says that no man should perish, that everyone should have this gift, everyone includes the hundreds of thousands of people that live in the South Metro of the Twin Cities. And we are here to show them what the church really looks like. We are here in this moment as, as a local church to serve this community so that they see Jesus in us. That is our mission. That is why we are here. Now, if you were following along in, in the passage, you notice that I actually came up a little bit short. 
I stopped a little early in verse 37. It doesn't just end with this guy getting it right and saying, I guess it was the guy who took pity on him. But we see Jesus's command at the end of verse 37. It says this, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. That's our command today. That's why we are here as a local church, as a local expression of what God has put in place so that we can be the church. So the question today is this, is, is, is your life currently making a difference? When people see you, not just hear you, but when they see you, when they see the acts that you do, when they see the love that's being expressed by what you're doing and serving, are they seeing Jesus Christ through you? Because that's what we're here to do. That's the reason that we're here. We're not wrapping up a series today. We're commissioning a new beginning. We're not ending something and then moving on to another topic next week. Like, hey, we can go do something else. We're literally saying this is what our job is. And no matter what we talk about on weekends, that should help us calibrate. That should help us inspire us so that we can go be the church Monday through Friday. I hope I hope that we can set a new precedent, even locally, of what it means to have a local church in our community. I hope that we can set a new precedent, not just by our style, not just by the music, not by the way we dress or the way that we worship, or maybe we're, we're a little bit more charismatic and it's not liturgical. Now, I'm not talking about that style. I'm talking about not what happens inside the walls of this building, but let's set a new precedent of what it's like to be the church outside the walls and in our community. That's why we are called here as a church. So I'm going to ask you to do this as we close. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I know we don't usually stand until after we pray, but, but even, even in this moment, um, I want us to be in a position where we're ready to act, where we're ready to go. And we're not just sitting back. We're not just passive saying, God, man, this sounds great. I hope that we, I want us to get in a, in a, in a place where we can say, you know what? It's not just about what happens here, but we're ready to go out and, and impact the community. We're ready to go out and be the church. So if you would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to pray commissioning over you. This isn't closing. This isn't benediction. This is commissioning to say, from this point, we get to go and be the church. I'm going to pray the same Holy Spirit that showed up on the day of Pentecost because it showed up in that moment to give power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I want to pray power to be witnesses in the community today. And then we're going to sing a song that, that we even wrote here. It says, um, this is what it looks like when the church is alive. We don't want to just tell you about what church is like. We want to show you this is what it looks like when the church is alive. And then we're going to get excited. We're going to get inspired and we're going to go out and be the church. If you want to receive that prayer today, would you just put your hands out in, in a posture of receiving? God, I pray right now. I pray for the amazing power of the Holy Spirit. God, that same power that you sent in the book of Acts to allow those people to be your witness in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. God, I pray for that same power so that we can be your witness right here in the South Metro of the Twin Cities. God, allow us to be your church. Let it not just be actions and service that they see, but Lord God, let them through those actions and service see you in us. God, we are here to be your representation. God, let us not just talk about it. Let us not just, let us not people just see a cross on the top of our building, Lord God, but let us see us in community. That is the church. God, give us strength and power today to go out and be your church. God, let us, let them see that this is what the church should look like when the church is alive and well. God, in your name we pray. Amen and amen.